Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Nelson IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Will Dorsey Jr. or Ill Will of Body Count. We talk a bit about his time in the Baltimore music scene, his work with Body Count, him being the drum tech for Offspring, and some other topics too. As usual, we take it to street level, so if you're a fan of my language, okay. So, how's it looking in LA? Uh, right now, um, it, it looks pretty cool. Um, uh, I actually don't... I live like uh, like an hour away from, from LA, so um, it's a little quieter <laughs> around these parts where I'm at. Bakersfield. Yeah. Everybody, I noticed though, nobody lives in Hollywood. They always live in either Malibu. Nobody lives in LA. They always live in Bakersfield. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like with somebody they work in New York, but they live in New Jersey. Right. Right. That's what I noticed. You know, yeah. or in this yeah. case, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm on Baltimore. Nigga, you in Dundalk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, you're from Baltimore, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm in between. I was in between Baltimore and uh, D.C., which was a little area called, uh, in, in around the county called uh, Crofton. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally basically like five miles from Crofton. Okay, where where you at? I'm out in Bowie. Okay, that's what, that's where my, my my brother's at. Oh, cool. Yeah. And a lot of people mispronounce as Bowie. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. It's just nothing cool as Bowie over here. You're right. Yeah, it's Bowie. Exactly. You know, I think we have a Crystal Bower socks and um, um, the one motherfucker from uh, NSYNC, JC Chavez. So. Yes. That is our claim yeah. to fame up in Bowie, actually. Right. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing when I think about it. Oh, and also no. um, Tamara Jade now, who's on The Voice and whatnot. Right, okay. So, okay, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Right, yeah, it's not bad. Right. It's so, not bad at all. Exactly, you know. Shoot, it's like, um, so like, when did you uh, head out from uh, from Crofton to uh, to the west? Um, I, I cruised out in March of 2006 hmm. that's when I moved out oh cool yeah right, cause I saw some video cause you were you were pretty prominent in the Baltimore music scene right yeah yeah I was in a in a band called uh, Laughing Colors and also did some shows with Jimmy's Chicken Shack um at at that during that time um yeah Jim Davies right yep on my Facebook page. Cool dude. Yeah, he is. Nice guy. He is. He's, yeah. actually, he's my old Bowie, actually. Oh, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. So, what was Life in Colors like? Um, it was pretty much, it was it was a mashup. Um, uh, a lot of guys like more of, like, uh, the Pink Floyd stuff. Um, but, well, they started out, really, as a cover band. Um until I joined them in 90, I want to say 95 or 97, but I think it's 95 when I joined uh, joined them. Um, but it was more of a cover band. We would, you know, go to LA Gators um, and play there, like, every weekend. Um, and eventually we started writing on our own. Uh, but I was covering... I was asked to cover drums in 
that band by a guy named uh, Greg Phillips, which who was my drum teacher. He was getting double booked because he was just he's just a phenomenal drummer, and uh, and he was just all over the place. And then eventually, uh, I guess the guys in the band felt like they had a strong connection with me, um, and asked me if I wanted to join them with uh, Laughing Colors. Hmm. Okay. Nice. You ever play Fish Shake Cantina? Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Fish Shake Cantina or New Metal Resides. Yeah. All right. So, of course, you know, being part of Baltimore scene, um, do, you have any members of, do you have any members of Hammerjacks? Yeah. And you want to Memories share? Memories of Hammerjacks? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, love seeing Fishbone there. Um,. Love seeing Pantera there. Um, love watching even Helmet uh, there as well. I've seen a lot of bands there. Uh, Dream Theater, yeah, it, it was a lot of great bands back, you know, back then that that always went up to the to the top floor and watched them right on the right hand. Well, it would be stage left um, and watch them. Actually, stage right. I'm sorry. Um, stage right and watch uh, everybody from over there so I could just check out what the drummer was doing, check out what the, what the guitarist was doing. Um, but, yeah, that's where I would normally stand at. Smart move, you know, because yeah. I'll, I'll never forget my first mosh bill. was at CBGB's in oh. 2005. or two, It was 2005. I'll never forget, right? And I'm right. like... You know what? I was on a goddamn mosh pit of CBGBs. I don't yeah. have to prove any shit anymore. Right. <laughs> so for years, I would basically stay either stage left or stage right. You know, we're, you know, it's like, you know what? Have fun in the pit. Do whatever. Just, I'm going to stay in the corner right here and take note of whatever, what all the musicians are doing. Like, that's what I would yeah. do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So, like, um, all right. So, what was that scene like, though, in both Baltimore, Baltimore's metal scene like when you were there? When I was there, a um, lot of great bands, you know, trying to come up, trying to get signed or whatever. And in and that point, it was um, it was Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Um, great scene. Kelly Bell was around. Yes. You know, uh, we played with them a lot, um, but it was like, yeah, it's just mostly us. It was another band called uh, Susie, uh, Lost Poets. Um, man, there's so many, so many good, talented bands uh, from from that way. Um, uh, Underfoot uh, from Annapolis. Um, uh, of course, uh, Good Charlotte, um, uh, SR71. Yeah, so, I mean, because we, man, we used to work with that producer, Mitch Allen. Um, he recorded uh, the first album, well, the first two albums, I think, for Laughing Colors. But the first one I was on was called Depp. Um, he produced that one, um, which we got to have a song on the radio on 98 Rock. Um, and that had continuous air, you know, airplay for a while. And 
I couldn't believe they were playing on because I used to hear it at night when I would go home after gigs or whatever here at like two o'clock in the morning and they were playing but it started playing on on the regular like it was going through in the morning in the afternoon um, but I was shocked to, to hear that how things have changed because I remember 98 Rock Noise in the basement. They play only local music there, you know, and they're like, a, right. Lord forbid you play anything else outside that, you know? Yeah. 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 It's like a Noise in the Basement is done now. It's done now, actually. Oh, really? So, anyway, so I've always, so when I think of like, you know, when I think of metal in Maryland, there's only one band I think of. Well, it's not for the Doom stuff. I think of Kicks. Oh, Kicks. <laughs> Oh, I remember. Uh, I remember hearing this story how one of the dudes from Poison, you know, I'm not gonna say which one, but you know, one of the main guys in Poison saw the guys in Kicks, and he started doing his act. Oh, really? And that's the reason why they went to the West Coast. Oh, okay. okay. Because like, hey, you're doing my act, motherfucker. I was like, oh shit. Oh wow. So that's one of the reasons wow. I went to the West because um, someone could get the ass kicked. Right. Yeah. So. Shoot. I don't know. Another uh, weird thing about, well, not weird, but more interesting about Maryland's metal. Like, we have a hard on for doom metal over here. Right. You ever notice that? Yeah. Um, like, we have Earthride, Pentagram down in Virginia. Is St. Vitus from here? I don't know. But yeah, you can definitely tell we have a really hard on for doom metal, I notice. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um,. Do you, do you remember a band called uh, Nothing Face? Yes, I do. Okay. Because um, I used to be a part of the DC scene before I got into that Laughing Colors um, scene, even though I was around, um, you know, the Baltimore scene. But I, my bands that I was, I was doing, we couldn't get in. And then I started... And getting into something heavier from the DC uh, scene, a band called Scuttlebutt uh, that was in DC. Um, we started getting known in DC uh, for a little while, and we signed this deal with this thing called D Side Records. Um, and Nothing Face was a part of that. Um, but of course, we started, you know, for a little bit, we were starting to play with Nothing Face. Um, and, um, I guess I decided to leave that band because I felt like it wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I, sometimes I, I, I think to myself, uh, like I, I should have stuck with it because it was more off that, that biohazard, that Pantera-ish type of band, but it was different. It was more musical. Um... Try to be more technical. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like math rock or anything like that, but it was still, you know, it had a groove or whatever. But it was just the music was just all over the place. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't realize you were nothing face. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Not- you went out because you ended up in body count. Well, well, well I mean. Not nothing face. I mean, we uh, the, the the other band, uh, Scuttlebutt. We we started opening up for Nothing Face. Yeah, uh, we had the same producers. 
um, that was, you know, going around, but we were, we were about to go do shows and I left, I left that band. So, so it, it, I think we only did like maybe if one show, maybe probably if that, but, but yeah, we didn't get our uh, momentum going at, at all. And I wasn't, I guess I wasn't patient. Um, and I was just get sick of how things were going and took off. Yeah. Yo, shot in the dark, but do you know over Rob Butanelli? Why does that sound familiar? He was at a band called Scooter Trash. Huh. Wow. Okay. Wow. He was also a doorman at a shit ton of clubs in the area. In fact, the funny thing about it is he actually jammed with Ice-T when he was actually starting to build a body count. He was one of the guys yeah. supposed to be in there. Oh. Okay. All right. Those who play like you know Maryland DC's metal scene definitely played the Bayou and everything. So I was one of you ever cross paths. You know what? It, we probably have. I probably for, forgot his name. Um, and we might have. You know. So it's weird. Possibility because <laughs> it's a small scene actually. Right. Wow. Yeah, crazy. All right, so speaking of scenes, is there a difference between Baltimore and D.C. scene and also L.A.'s scene, metal-wise? Yes. Uh, I feel like L.A. don't really appreciate the metal out, out here. Um, I, I I feel like like it, it gets more appreciated, especially out in Maryland. Um, and they like metal in Maryland. Yes, uh, or DC, do. you know, um, it seemed like they more go for pop out here, um, and metal scene doesn't seem like it gets that popular. But there's a bunch of metal bands that are out here in in LA, you know. Because my first association with that, I think of LA Sunset Strip. I think of the glam metal thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I wonder mm-hmm. any kind of remnants of that scene here or. Has been wiped out entirely. I think it's been wiped out. I, I don't. I don't see that. I see more pop things or rap. You know, that is more popular compared to anything that's. You know, especially with the scenes of you know people playing real music. Um, and I'm not not trying to say they're not playing real music, but. Um, uh, I'm just uh, all I'm saying is you know is a more of appreciation because I, I noticed that you know like even if Seven does come out to the LA area it doesn't seem like it's that much hype about it you know what I mean I can see that you know yeah I've been hearing that a lot lately you know like how this dander been wiped out and been concreted over. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, you know, I noticed though, like, cause I always felt this way the best abrasive music comes from cold places and cold climates. Yeah. Or yeah. it has to be the opposite of, like, okay, like, for example, Florida has a death metal scene, right? Yeah. Because this is a reaction to basically, you know, the Sunshine State. No, we're dark and brooding here, motherfucker. So right. It just makes sense. <laughs> you know, Maryland, uh... especially Baltimore, working class. You know, kind of gritty area. You would think mm-hmm. that 
Hell, you know, brutal death metal in New York, you know. One thing I've always been kind of surprised by, I'm surprised that punk never really took over in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you you know, you know, when the punk scene was happening, you know, like in, in the 80s, um, like at that time, there, there were some punk bands, there were some good punk bands, um, especially in, near, you know, the Bowie uh, area. I don't know if you remember this band called Love Slug. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. But they were good. Especially punk. For punk music, you know what I mean? And I think they could have done something. For bands like this, I always hope that there's some kind of demo that exists. You know, kind of like, you know, like that, um, you know, like that band Death out of Detroit, right? Yeah. I always hope that bands... You know, even if it was like just like the shittiest of shitty recordings, right? Have something <laughs> or some kind of proof the owl existed. You're right. You know, right. like I found out about this one band out of Laurel, Maryland, whose name I cannot remember right now. Laurel. This really? is like I can't remember the names for shit right now, but my buddy, uh, you know, one of my buds actually, uh, you know, pointing them out to me, and I'm like, I've never heard of these guys, and they sound dope as shit, though. Right. And they had like a, they're from Laurel, Maryland. I have no idea anything about them. In fact, I'm trying to look them up right now because it was. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. But you know, dude, sound a very Baltimore. Put it that way. You know, you know, right. if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It was everything the true and the do in this motherfucker. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, it was like a black front man. That's all I remember. And okay. I'm trying to find like um damn I can't remember names at all though, but I can't find information on them, whatsoever. Huh. You know. Okay, so there was another band you were involved with called Blacksmith, right? Yes. Uh, there's a connection between Body Count and Blacksmith, right? D Rock, um, the guitarist, rhythm guitarist that that's that was in um, Body Count, uh, rest in peace. Um, actually, that was his side project. Um, he got that to go on, and um, and he got his drummer to also play in per, part of the demos of that. And they found two rappers uh, were named uh, Sacrifice and Brimstone. Um, and I did. A lot of the music that D Rock was doing um, after when I got in, but they had some pretty decent music, and I guess some of these songs were might, must have been passed by Body Count um, that D Rock had. There was just extra songs that he had, and he wanted to make a side project, a side project band, and yeah, that was Blacksmith. And oh. And another legend uh, guitarist that came from D.C. Uh, named Freak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn shame he what happened. Playing, yeah, he played that band. You know what happened to Freak, right? We're still trying to figure out what happened. Still trying to, his murder is still on the loose. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's still upsetting me. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, man. Um, he was a good dude. Um, I haven't heard a bad story yet. No, every everything 
you know, I was so happy uh, to be in that band because I didn't know who he was when I first got out there, and that was in that was in 2006 uh, when I when I joined Blacksmith, and I never heard of him. And then he started telling me about his other band, Beef Eater. Um, and then I ran into Dave Grohl uh, uh, back then, like in 2007, because I used to work at Guitar Center in, in Sherman Oaks, um, and came in. He's like, "How's Fred doing?" I'm like, "Fred's doing great, you know. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to, you know, get this this machine going with with, with Blacksmith, but it never got going." Um, and um, he's like, "Yeah, this is this is too bad, you know. The one thing that was holding, you know, you know, freak back." Um, was you know they never had a really solid drummer um, for Beef Eater. Uh, that's what Dave Grohl told me. Um, and you know he's like he seems like you know he might have found somebody you know pretty decent. And he was looking at me when he said and saying that you know, but um, you know, Freak is you know he's a you know a great showman, a, a great friend. Um, a kind heart. Um, it just I I just I, I'm lost for words. Even you know talking about him, he's just a wonderful dude. And you remind him, you remind me of him too, because you always say you know like fucker or whatever like that. You know what I mean? So who me? Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Hope they find the bastards that did them in. Hope they find those motherfuckers. I uh, hope so too. And um, I noticed they're still looking. I know they're still looking. Um, my friend um, Mike D is heavily involved. He was the, the manager for Blacksmith uh, back then. Uh, in anything that Freak started doing. Um, it is this he's still on the lookout and yeah it is oh man it just sucks dude <laughs> does the name grant og garrison ring a bell hmm. he worked with hr oh no i don't think i know this guy no he actually um was the roadie for bad brains for a second also worked with hr um, he's actually uh, playing drum for the playing drums for the mentors right now. Okay. He was actually there when uh, John Joseph got busted. Oh, wow! Really? Yeah. He also slapped the shit out of um, what's his name again? Andy Dick. He slapped the shit out of him too. <laughs> it was his first day in the West Coast, and Andy Dick had a thing for grabbing people, right? And you don't play that kind of shit when you don't know, dude. He's like, wow. Right, yeah. Slap. Wow. You, you couldn't. You it's not like he. It's not like Andy Dick is suing because he touched him first. So. Right, 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 right. You know, so I was wondering because those other because I remember because because I remember like hearing about Dave Grohl where, you know, he always had a soft spot. Well, not soft spot. He always tried to look out for bands he worked with yeah. back in the DC scene, whether you're giving suggestions or advice or trying to do whatever. Like one story is like the trouble somebody is like from, o, from Grant OG Garrison would say that it's like under my best impression of Gant of Grant 
Yeah, the thing about him is though, man, which which guy doesn't sound like this? Yeah, the thing about him is every time he would get drunk and basically give him a record deal, then he's sober, forget he said anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Wow. I gotta tell you, um, Dave Grohl is kind of like my white whale, if that makes sense. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. trying to get that interview, you know what I'm saying? Like, There's like five yeah. gets I'm trying to get, though. Right. Okay. You okay. know, I mean, hell, yeah. I'm kind of shitting over to you right now because I'm like, you're fucking body count. And also from here, too. Uh, so I'm like, I made a wee bit nervous, though. Right. <laughs> Why? <You know? laughs> I don't know. It's like, I'll put it this way. Let me explain. First of all, somebody that, you know, because I'm a band and because, like, you know, you guys, you guys were playing shows when I just kind of thought, hey, you guys were playing shows. Actually, you left, you literally left the area when I thought, you know, let me try this band thing out. <laughs> You know? Right. Oh wow. Okay. So okay. in a weird way, you guys kind of set the way for those little be easy for guys like myself. So you know, I'm trying to right. be cool over here. Why not? Right. You know? And hell, I remember like I remember trying to figure out the trying to figure out how to play cop killer. There goes the neighbor by ear. Right. So I'm like, hey. You know. Hey, I, that's there's nothing wrong with that, man. Because I don't read myself. Um, I I tried through high school when especially I went to. Arundel High, um, and uh, of course, you know Crofton uh, Junior and and even Crofton Woods Elementary, you know school, and I never got to read anything down. I was a little bit slow, um, actually trying to learn how to read, and I, probably because I needed glasses. Bruh, I basically look like Elvis Costello right now. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. What was the audition for Body Count like? Oh, um, I, I was at that time. I was I was drum teching at that time. Um, I was still working for a guitar center. I was still just getting into the drum tech game world of trying to start the tech. So I started teching for uh, Dave Stewart of the Rhythmics um, for that drummer named Randy Cook. Um, and then like a couple of days later after when I started doing that, I got a call from, uh, a guy that, uh, that used to run a place called Ant Rehearsals in LA. And he said, man, you got to do, you have to audition for this gig. I'm like, what gig, gig is this? I was like, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm going to let that person, you know, just call you and you need to take this gig. It's that because I, I don't play double bass like you do. I'm like, okay, because um, this guy named Richie that used to work over at uh, in rehearsal. I don't know if he still works there or not. I, I don't know, but um, but he was telling me I need to take this gig. So I finally get the call from Vince. Um, Vince asked me. He said, "Yeah, you know, we just um, uh, we just lost her, you know." Our drummer, and we're trying to play this 15th anniversary warp tour, and I'm like, okay. And said, so what am I auditioning for? And he's like, uh, um, it's like what this tour, what this warp tour thing is, is about. It's about um, body count. I'm like, Ice T's old band. I didn't know they were still around. And he's like, yeah, we're still around. So after that, um, I finally, you know, two days later, two nights later, uh, I finally went over to the edition. I was playing at some 
um, didn't realize um, that I was playing on on somebody's famous kit. Um, but I was started playing, you know, body counts in the house to start jamming with with them because that's all I could, you know. I remember that song and Cop Killer and just trying to play some of the songs with them and um, they said good job, you know, and they called me a day later and say, uh, we need you to do a second audition. And I went and did the second audition and I guess they made up their mind, but it was only him and um, at the time, Bendrix that um, covered for D-Rock. Um, he replaced them after D-Rock passed. Um, but it was only them two that was auditioning me. So um, I didn't get to finally meet the band until later. But they, they told me I, I got the gig. You're driving this 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 band. And, um, you know, you just drive it as much as you can. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then when I finally got in, Started learning their the whole set. Um, it was probably like a couple weeks later. Um, I had to learn their the set or whatever songs that they had for that night. I think we only had like forty five minutes to play, um, and I had to learn these songs. And Ice calls up. I finally meet Ice, and Ice is just. Um, I could just hear him coming in into the room into this rehearsal spot, and of course we have this this whole rehearsal spot it's just us just the band and it was like a full on stage um, type rehearsal and all I could hear Ice is, is just saying you better not suck just didn't say don't, I hope he's not wasting my time Vince you know it's like because you know we got we got stuff to do and it's like man you know it's like this, this guy better be good and of course I'm just nervous you know as hell you know like this uh you know, trying to do the best that I can, um, trying to learn these songs. Um, so we go through the, uh, well, let me, let me go back. You know, you finally, you know, I, I finally meet him. Um, and sit there and talk, and, and then he's like, man, you need a name. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, just call me Will. And he's like, nah, I don't like that. You know, you, you have to have some kind of stage name. So he just thought it was only like if a minute, and he'd say your name's Ill Will now. I'm like, okay, okay, that sounds pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. dope, you know. <laughs> um, and that was it. And uh, and of course, after a while, he's like, man, it's like something's bugging me about this set. We need to add another song. I'm like, what? <laughs> and of course, it's, it's a song from. Judgment Night that he done with Slayer. Yes, and I did not learn that song. So yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know it. Uh, can you give me about five ten minutes? And it wasn't even ten minutes. It was like more like three minutes. I started getting into the song, trying to trying to learn it. And because I, I remember, you know, back in the day, but I never really learned it. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, and he, you know, of course, the, the double bass part that's in that song, he wanted to see if I could play, and he puts the mic in, in the bass drum um, and just listens. He said, yeah, he can do it. 
Yeah, okay, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so, that was part of the weirdest thing I ever really done in just being nervous at the same time uh, trying to play in front of this dude, you know? Okay, so I'm just curious. How do you go about learning a song like that under pressure like that? I, I listen to... I just have to listen. Listen, concentrate, see how many times things go goes around. Um, I, I mostly listen to guitars, mostly. Um, I really don't listen to the drum beats. I hear like a rough thing of the drum beat, but I mostly hear the guitars and try to learn it from there in the lyrics. Um, but knowing being in this band body count, um, we most of the time, we don't play with, with with ice at all. You have to do the song. Yeah, so I take it, rehearse the band, and then, you know, later on, he's like, he expects everybody to be, you know, prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Jersey, though, right? Yeah, yeah, he's from Jersey. I'm just third because a lot of people don't realize it, but like it's like yeah, he's from the West, but he's third in Jersey, and I, he moved back to Jersey, all right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's there. He just drives. It, it's it five minutes for him to, to drive to New York, you know? Oh, cool. So yeah, yeah call back to early in the interview, huh? Yep. <laughs> what I usually do is when I'm trying to learn a song, right? I usually find the audio to slow the shit down as possible. Oh. I usually okay. do that. But most of the time, I just like, okay, if I can't do that, I just got to keep listening, listening, listening. Okay, that's what they're doing. Right. All right, so drum-wise, what are your biggest influences? Who are your biggest influences? Oh, jeez. Um, okay. Um, I have to start with number one. It has to be, um, of course, it's got to be Kiss. Um, and that's that's just, just one of them. Um, that's Peter Chris and mostly, but it was mostly Anton Fig that played on Ace Freely solo album. Um, uh, you gotta go with next. It's gotta be Stuart Copeland from the police. Um, and, um, from there I was, um, also listening to a lot of Prince, uh, back then, um, cause I was just, so much Prince and Chili E in the time, and it just learning that pocket groove like that. Um, I, I learned a lot from that. Um, and then, you know, away from that, um, you got to go with, you know, of course, Will Calhoun from uh, Living Color. Yes. Um, I learned so much, you know, from him. Um, didn't. After that, I was getting into Chick Corea, uh, listening to Dave Weckl and, you know, uh, Vinny Cagliuta. Um My favorite drummer from Zappa. That's my favorite drummer. Oh, Vinny Cagliuta? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Joe's Garage uh, is my favorite album that he was on. Right. The beef for uh, Keep It Greasy is fucking amazing. Like, I'm trying to figure out what, what time signature is that. I'm still trying to figure out to this day. Oh, right. Oh, man. Yeah, like fifteen something, right? <laughs> something crazy. Yeah, I was like, um, yeah, um, a, a little bit of uh, Billy Cobham. Um, I was getting into, um, uh, it even you know like going to Deftones with A. Cunningham, um, and getting in, in, into that. Um, and then of course Vinnie Paul from 
Pantera um, came into my life, and um, of course, just just wanted to learn that because that was just totally something different um, for me. Well, especially even with with Fishbone stuff too. Um, it, that was that was different. Um, and you know, of course, um, Dennis Chambers. Um, <laughs> I got to give it up to the, the you know Baltimore guy. Yes. You know, jeez, um, um, man, so many Buddy Rich. Um, it is a, a lot of you know jazz drummers. Um, that I was, you know, that I love, but I was getting more into more of the groove stuff, you know, like my, my mother would, you know, like it didn't matter if something was on the radio, I, I wanted just to learn it. Um, and I, I, I wanted to, to be in that kind of way. Uh, it didn't matter if it was like Michael Jackson or, or any of that, that type of music. I was, I was, I, I wanted to play it. Um, Mo, you know Motown stuff too, um, and um, geez, um, even you know now like they're you know they're friends of mine and I've seen them coming up and I'm happy about them. You know, uh, drummer from Periphery, uh, Matt Halpern. Um, I don't know if you if you if you heard of him. I know the um, band Periphery. Yeah, he's from from Baltimore as well, uh, near the Pikesville area. Um, and uh, it, that band was coming up too, and that during in that circuit too, uh, running around, you know, it, just like Laughing Colors and Jimmy Shaker Shack was doing, you know, same thing, and Good Charlotte, and all all those bands were, you know, um, and um, and I was started getting into a lot of you know Rage Against Machine, as well, um, but. Man, it's it's just so many drummers um, that that I grew up in love, and um, man, yeah, it's 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 a lot. I'm sure I'm missing a, a, a ton more. Um, and of course, Danny Carey. Um, I, I was into him. Alex Van Halen. I was, you know, I, I love Van Halen as well. Um, in even going back to like R and B, you know, with the, the hip hop, you know, like I have to say, you know, Timberland and Missy Elliott of the beats that they were doing, that what they were throwing down, I wanted to do that, mixed with like like a Public Enemy. Um, I always wanted to be in a band like that. That I wanted to try to be like Terminator X um, of of the group. Um, because he just seemed like he had so much control of beats and everything for Public Enemy, and, and I know it was a lot of Flavor Flav that played drums in, in that as well. But um, but yeah, it's like I was all mixed up, you know, mixed up kid, you know, just listening to everything, even even Twenty Four Seven Spies too. Um, Joe Matoza. Was that Joe Matoza? Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. dude. We'll talk yeah, a bit. You, nice guy. Oh, Ruth, Oh really? Yeah, cool dude. Oh man, but, yeah, but I was into that too. You know. All right, counter. I didn't have this one written down. 
So what's it like to counter? Did, did you ever get to, have you ever gotten to or met like your drum idols? Yes. Um, oh, geez. Um, Dennis Chambers. Um, especially uh, when I was in, in Maryland and I was supposed to get drum lessons with him when I was in my senior year back in 1990. I'm old, dude. <laughs> um, and he finally came into a studio back in like 2001, 2002. Um, we were working at Sheffield in Baltimore. Um, and he came, he came through. Um, but he, I guess he was just on vacation and he just came through because uh, he known that Eddie Kramer was in town, and Eddie Eddie Kramer came in because he wanted to record a band from Maryland that was decent enough for for what he was what he was trying to do, and he was trying to get a sign underneath Eddie Kramer, um, and trying to make some hits for him, um, but things didn't work out. Uh, we didn't sign that deal um, with Eddie Kramer, but no, but um, sitting down with Dennis Chambers because we all had a break, and Dennis Chambers came out of the, out of the booth um, and came out to the drum room, and and I was just in awe because uh, <laughs> he started playing all my drums, um, and that, at that time, like a week before, uh, I knew this contest was even going on. I just bought this brand new DW drum set, and and there was something wrong with the with the rims on on the DW drum shell, so I could never tune it right. Um, now knowing as a drum tech, now knowing what the problem is, now uh, they were out around, um, and I should have got a hold of DW about that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I uh, tried to get Dennis to to try to tune it for me, but he just loved the way the actual tone sounded and the dude just pretty much just going off with just one stick. One stick and he was just going through the drums and saying, man, these sound great. I'm like, seriously? I was like, I'm having problems with them. And he's, he said, well, he, he tried he tried to tune them. He said, man, I said, I'm not the best tuner in the world, you know, but uh, it's, I know what I like hearing, but these drums sound great. I'm like, okay. But I, I never had the, the, the courage to even ask them and say, man, I want to sit down with you and actually get some lessons with you. But I never got, never got to do that. I was too scared. <laughs> I had a chance to meet Dennis Chambers a couple of years ago at a Living Color Show in Annapolis. Oh, okay. I'm still kicking my ass that I missed out on it. Oh. You know, on the plus, you know, my other drummer, Siobhan, actually met him. So, oh, shit. So, I'm like, great. That's what we're here for, you know? Right. So, how'd you, how'd you become a drum tech? Um, I used, when I was working at Guitar Center, um, a friend of mine, a uh, Canadian drummer uh, named Randy Cook, uh, asked me, he said, man, do you want to get out of this gig? I'm like, what do you mean? You say, do you want to slap somebody's, you know, drums for a little while? But I, I say, I guarantee you, you will make more money 
than um, what you're making here at Guitar Center. I'm like, yeah. It's like I always wanted to, you know, to to get into that world of being a drum tech. And, and he gave me that opportunity, um, and that's how it started becoming a drum tech. So I started after that. Um, I started teching for um, another guy. Uh, after that, I was teching for uh, uh, for Selena Gomez's drummer, uh, and I started getting gigs like that. Um, then I met another guy named Stevo, um, who is a tech for The Voice, uh, for our boy uh, Nate Morton. Uh, that's a Mariner as well, um, and that was an ongoing thing uh, with that. You know, me going back and forth to you know, NBC and stuff like that, and being a part drum tech, you know, with them, but. Yeah, but I was I was teching on the voice, um, which was awesome experience, you know, to be do TV um, at that time in teching. It, it that's what I wanted to do. Nice. You also are drum tech for Offspring, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm currently drum tech for Offspring. Yeah. Cool. So, how do you balance playing drums for Body Count and being the drum tech for for the Offspring? Oof. It's it's sometimes challenging. Um, I have to to call um, other drum techs to, to cover me for for Offspring, but um, they let me. It, that that family lets me go when I when I need to. Um, when I have to do some shows with them, it's de- depending on how long our run is. Most of our our shows. Or one-offs, or it's a whole tour, especially in the summertime, uh, and I might be gone from Offspring for like a month, uh, but I, I come back um, during that because um, there's a, a big relationship between uh, a great relationship between me um, and my bass player Vince. That's in in Body Count, um, but there's a long history with. Uh, Vince and Piperata, the drummer for the Offspring. So that's that's all family right there. I'm always intrigued how everybody knows each other through six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, always intrigued by that. So one thing I learned is I just learned one thing importantly to learn to shut the fuck up and listen because. <laughs> A person I might not be a fan of that could be like the godfather of their children, right? <laughs> you know, that's one thing I've learned. Or like, dude, that's my blood brother. It's like, what do you mean? It's like you never mentioned that before, right? Oh, man. yeah. Like yeah. for example, like you know, I found out that you know Corey Taylor's best friends with Twista. Oh, jeez, what? Yeah, they're like best buds. Oh, jeez. Okay. And the funny thing about right. it is Corey Taylor can do the chopper flow, right, as this right. twister, right? So there's a rumor going around that there was, like, one time at a show backstage that Corey Taylor, when he still was Slipknot, you know, but, but people didn't really know what he looked like because nobody, really knew, nobody gave a shit about Stone Star wasn't as popular as they are in this time now. Right, you know. Right. Okay. So next thing you know, they see, like, this uh, this white boy basically doing the chopper flow with Twister trying to keep up. 
Oh. And a lot of people don't realize those core tales from Slipknot because they sold a mask on the shit. Oh, wow. So that's one thing I learned. It's almost and how these worlds collide and everything, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, uh, shoot, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a small, it definitely is a small world. Um, it, yeah, you'd be surprised. Um, like, who knows who, you know, and how deep the family goes. Absolutely. You know? Fucking literally. Yeah. You know, like, one of the weirdest stories is, so from Maryland, so obviously heard of him, right? Right. At random, it's going to be the weirdest porn I could, I've ever seen. Oh, what? You know, like, those kind of weird, this, this kind of weird, gross-out, goofy kind of porn? I thought he got hacked. He's yeah. like, nope. Right. <laughs> no, didn't get hacked. Thought you'd think it was funny. I'm like, oh, wow. So what oh. happened was I tried to get into a porn war with a 69-year-old veteran. Oh, okay. I gracefully lost. I could not win that fight. Oh, wow. It's like toss out like a rock at a tank. Right. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah. So jeez, man. What goes down to DMs, you know? Shoot. Yeah. But like um, Vernon Reed, you know, he's cool as shit, too. It's like we talk a little bit as well, you know? Right. You know? So, like, you're right. It's like, that's one of the coolest things about it when you ever get, like, at a certain level, right? And you realize, yo, these are the people I grew up on, you know, looking up to, like, reading interviews on. And now, you know, I just went to lunch with them. Or, you know, we just, like, um, I just got off the phone with them. That's one of the coolest things. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. You know? I, it, it still blows my mind, you know, that that still happens. Um, and, you know, that, you know, once you get to that level... It's 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 all gravy, you know what I mean? It um, really is. And I mean, especially even like a person like Ice, um, and uh, how often he actually calls you, and and it, it's it should, we're, we're me and him are it just seems like you know yeah we're boys you know um, because we're we're trying to get something going and especially you know, with songwriting um and or like he just lets me know like okay we're doing this we're doing that um it's nice to hear have that conversation and you're included in it you know what i mean i can tell uh, you know uh, from the interviews i can tell that he's very hands-on you know yeah very very hands-on the, even i mean we could write the the dopest you know that you know like the like the three of us could write or, you know, you know, between me, Will Putney and, um, and Vince or, or whatever. And, and he's like, no, I don't like that part. Cut it. And it's like, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> because it, it, it might not match up with his, with his flow, you know, what he's trying to do. And, you know, what, especially in that, you know, that type of songwriting, uh, like that in, and it has to make sense to him. So. All right. That was actually yeah. kind of funny. I was about to ask, like, how did Body Count go about writing songs? Oh. Well, everybody, everybody um, throws their hat, throws their song in the hat. Um, and basically, you know, we get all these riffs or whatever and try to come up with it, you know, to, you know the best riffs that we can, and basically it has to fit right with ice. Um, and because he, you know, we're trying to make the best songs for him, 
Um, that's how we did Carnivore um, for uh, for body count uh, going that way. Because uh, the last record for Bloodlust, uh, we actually got a chance to all of us go through some stuff um, for like a, a month or so. Um, and all go through it. And I was like, all right, here's a batch of songs. And we give it to you know, our producer, Will Putney. Um, but we'll still go through it with Will Putney and start chopping some things. And, um, and that's how we're right. Because he wants to make sure this, this is right. And it makes sense that we can do it this way. Um, but, you know, I'm glad we have a producer like, like, like Will. Hmm. So you guys just jam and find like the best riffs out of those jams, I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, because lately when it comes to songwriting, it's kind of those weird things where I'm trying to get back into it. Like, I damn near forgot my process. Oh, man. So it's almost like stuff like this kind of helps. Like, okay, so that's what I did. It's almost like, imagine, if you will, that you have a wild night in the town, right? And mm-hmm. you, it's almost, it's 8 p.m., right? You know, you're at the first bar, it's like first drink, and next thing you know, it's a... It's uh, 11.45 the next day. Mm. You're in a hotel and looking around and what the hell happened? And you find notes. <laughs> Gives you clues what happened the last few uh, those hours and everything. And also Polaroids too. Mm. So it's like, oh, kind of like, this is a weird analogy. So like, okay, right. so that's what I did. Okay, so now it's kind of, okay, so, okay, okay, I dropped that part. Okay, right. um, I apparently didn't dream that part. So now right. I'm kind of piecing together. So, okay, now just, this kind of helps out a lot, though. So, okay, so I was wondering, do you play anything outside from drums, though? I don't. I I was, to be honest with you, I started playing guitar first. Um, actually, piano first. Um, but for some reason, drums just took over. Um, I'm trying to teach myself how to play guitar. Um and I just need to sit down with it and actually actually try to play guitar. You know, it helps out immensely because Joe Satriani started the drummer. Oh, okay. As did Frank Zappa. Wow. You know, Frank wow. Zappa didn't start didn't pick up a guitar until he was eighteen years old. Huh. Yeah, he's like a total percussion drummer guy. In fact, okay. listen to all the music; it makes all the sense of the world. Where he's really drum oriented because he started the drummer. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's that's crazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> so, okay. So, I was curious. So, so what what were the sessions for Bloodless and Carnivore like? Um the recorded sessions for those were it was just me Vince it, it both albums, really. Me Vince and Will Putney. Um, because all the guitars were already scratch tracked already, so we had to go to on for Bloodlust. Uh, we did it at Will Putney Studio in New Jersey. Um, and same with Carnivore, same place. We wanted that same type of thing, um, same type of writing, whatever. It was just pretty much just the three of us, and then of course eventually the four of us. Because you know, of editing, because um, some things might have been too long for ice or whatever. Of course, those will get edited. Um, but 
you know, after I was done, uh, because I had to go back to work. So I had to get back out with Offspring, uh, especially with with uh, Bloodlust. Bloodlust was, um, that took a few months, actually. Um, just remembering back to that, because I remember we were starting to write for it, uh, for Bloodlust, um, out in Arizona, and and then we finally got uh, Will Putney in. Um, started, start, you know, he wanted to hear all the guitars and everything what where everybody was playing. Um, and of course, he starts recording, doing pre-production, going that way. Um, and then it took another, I'm gonna say, two months uh, for the whole process of uh, uh, Bloodlust. Maybe three um, uh, for that whole process to go because after I was done with my drum tracks, it was like maybe like a week of me putting down drums, and then Ernie and Juan will come in and do guitars, and then basses last. Um, uh, yeah, going going that way. I was I was always used to drum, then bass, and then guitars. Yeah, but for some reason. He, you know, Will Putney always feels like it's better to go like this, go with guitars and drums first. I'm like, oh, something new. I never tried it that way. Um, I guess the bass just fills it out more uh, from what I think that's what he was saying, why he records bass last. I can see that. I mean, never mind the bollocks. That's how they did it. You know, they've recorded literally... They recorded drums, guitars, vocals, and then bass last, you know? Right. In fact, I never forget, um, I forgot the Def Leppard album. Um, I forgot which one it was. But they literally recorded everything to a click and recorded drums last. Whoa. Was that before he lost his arm? Or? No, this, this is way after after he lost his arm. This is like, oh, it's like okay. Maybe the, okay. It's either their last album or second to last album. Huh. One of the last three albums they put out, actually, they recorded drums last. Wow. I know, right? That's that's different. Really, you know? I mean, the only other yeah. person I can think of was, like, Sly Snow. Right. <laughs> like, he'll play everything, like, record everything to the rhythm ace and then have drums recorded last. Hmm. Which I'm like, I get it, though. You know, right. but I'm like, I kind of felt like, the reason why it's better to record drums first because if you have, if you write a riff that just locks in with the kick and everything and yeah. you don't even if you program the shit in it doesn't feel right you know so yeah. it's smart to have like the drummer play first and then build everything else on there you know right right yeah, yeah. so yeah. okay so that's actually yeah because I was trying to because you were talking about like brought the scratch you mentioned the scratch guitars earlier so I was like it's like oh shit I was recording like the guitars first, like so. It's like okay, so now it's making more sense now. Right, right. That's pretty dope, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because this, this is this isn't a scandalous show. This is where because I put it this way, I have a lot of questions I don't get answers to. Oh really? Okay. You know, because okay. I'm like I'm always been curious about the recording. You know, about from behind. You know, Bloodlust and, and Carnivore. So like, how did they record that? So what was their tech? Because I wouldn't have known they recorded. You know. You know, drums, guitar, bass, and vocals. I want to know that. So, okay, do you do full band style or do you layer the shit out of it? Right. Um, 
because really, um, we record everything. Let Ice listen to it after everything's done, when everybody's done with all their parts. And Ice starts writing on top of that to see what he can do with, with that. Then he will he will nitpick at, at will. It's like, okay, you need to cut that that verse shorter. Like, make it half half of that. Let's jump into the, to the chorus now at that point, you know, because he'll, he'll have something in his mind because I remember recording the song Bloodless. It was totally different compared to what it is now, what's on, on the album. Um, I dropped out because uh, on that song, I don't know if you're familiar with that song or not. Um, it, it's it, with the guitars. It was like, and it, it kept on going. He wanted to go bad and cut it. Oh, okay. Cut it because he, he just wanted to talk through there. So he had a, a speaking thing that he wanted to talk in the beginning of the song. And I was like, ah, oh, that's different. You know, so never would have thought of it like that. Not until Ice, you know, brought that up and it's like, all right, we're going to do some editing here. You know, so he. Because he wanted to make that work, you know, that he could talk through it. And because I mean, there's plenty of songs that he's just yelling through the whole entire song. Um, and I guess he wanted something to do something different. I can tell that. Cause remember, like uh, on the intro for "No Lives Matter." Mm. You know, yeah, but, yeah. I noticed even from the days of the first Body Count album when he's. He did the he did the monologue on Copular. He does, I noticed he does that, you know. Right. I always dug that. Right. You well, know. Going going back to No Lives Matter. You, do you know who wrote that song? Not fill me in. Huh? Not fill me in. Oh, me. You're fucking kidding me. No, I wrote it. Do you have any ideas how many times I shared that song with my bandmates? <laughs> I wrote, I wrote that that uh, that guitar riff, uh, both those guitar riffs, um, and I I was just singing that those riffs in my phone. Do you have any idea how many discussions that song was was uh, basically brought up? Actually, you know, if you know, if, you know like, in some of the black rocker groups I'm in. Do you have any idea? What's that? We were talking. We were talking about the idea of no lives matter, actually, and talking about like you know, and we're talking about you know, like we really brought this because the song was really poignant, like really brought up. You know, we really that was when the song really popped up. You know, aside as a bitch in the pit, actually, you know, right, right. I really felt there should be a video for that, right. But my idea would have been just kind of play on term, like literally, it is a mosh pit full of really pissed off rabid German shepherds. Oh, it just eats okay. everybody in the goddamn mosh pit. Oh wow, wow, wow! I just always yeah. am like, it's been kind of cool. That's just me thinking stuff like that. <laughs> and then she turns this, and then like you know, this canine turns to a just rocker chick, and it goes to the next concert. Same idea, kind of like American Werewolf in London. Right. Oh, okay. Kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> so that is so. <laughs> wow, I did not know okay. that. Okay. All right. So, let me tell you about this writing process. Okay. So, we were getting songs from 
um, from Biohazard, uh, Billy. Um, we were getting songs from, of course, you know, uh, Max from Sepultor. Um, and, and it's like, the producer's like, we need a few more songs. And Vince put me on the spot. Uh, and he's about to leave the room. He's like, he yells at, at, at Will Putney and says, go ask Will. I'm behind the drum kit, right? He say, go ask Will. Will has a whole bunch of songs in his phone that he wrote, that he sung in his phone. Listen to him. It's like, I'm telling you, listen to him. I'm like, oh, jeez, Vince, why, why are you throwing me under the bus? And especially, especially like, me just singing guitar wrist. Because um, I, I, I don't know. What attracts me to, to rock music is guitars. Um, and I sing guitar wrist all the time. You can ask my wife that. And I'm just <laughs> all over the house. I'm always singing some kind of, you know, stupid, you know, rhythm guitar type um type of type of riff or whatever and um we start going through them and he picks out two of them and uh, he asks me you know like what are these two two riffs that I'm singing so I'm singing to him um you know the, the way I can and he has to he's trying to figure it out for me um, and that's how we wrote um, uh, New Lives Matter. We finally get the whole song down the way uh, how I wanted it. Um, because the middle part of that song, because I wanted a breakdown of that, and I love that band, Refuse. Um, and I, I think it's called uh, White Noise, or um, but there's a, a flanger type guitar that's in that song that I wanted in this song for that and I think I think I I want to come kind of kind of an idea of guitars chirping a little bit in this middle part but but I wanted to go but and I said it has to um I don't know if they call it intensity or um how it, it's not um, like straight guitars. It's just like kind of like background music for guitars in, in that. And it's like, no, I got you. I said, I got an idea. And he does it. And I'm like, perfect. So after I finish playing drums, um, go. we all go in the studio and we start recording the song for, uh, for Blood, uh, not Bloodless, but uh, No Lives Matter. And I just literally just finished playing uh, the drum parts for uh, New Lives Matter. Ice comes in the studio. I'm like, oh, crap. Because Ice hasn't heard this song yet. Um, and uh, and <laughs> Will's like, um, here's a new one for, uh, for you. And, of course, you know, with the drums in the beginning, and, you know, and he's getting into it. And he's like, well, 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 well. It's like, who wrote this one? It's like, why don't you go ask your drummer? So Ice, with this mean look, side-eyes me, going like, 
<laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't crack a smile at all. Didn't crack. You know, because we, we all say in a band, you know, like, we don't care who wrote the song. And it's like, if you do, just like, do you want a cookie or, you know, or whatever, you know, it's just, it's a group effort. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no big heads in this band at all because Ice makes sure of that. It's like, oh, you think you're all that because you can write a song, huh? Well, okay. You know, so... <laughs> It's just funny how how he his reaction, you know, he didn't want to be uh, excited about, you know, that. Oh, I got someone else that can write in this band, so. <laughs> I can see that, you know. I, I can see why yeah. he had to play it cool. I can see what? that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm but, like, I'm thinking about the guy from Colors and everything, and also the one album cover where he's at the in front of the pool with the. With the fucking yes. gun, also. So you can't have the same guy getting hyped up over a song. It kind of kills him, mystique. It's exactly. So yeah. I get it, you know. Shoot. Right. <laughs> it's 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 funny that way. I don't think the the rest of the guys in the band even know um, about this story. I'm sure Vince knows, but um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of it's just just awesome that you know that he actually liked the song in. He put something over, cool over top of it, um, with the you know with those lyrics for "No Lives Matter," you know. Yeah. So, what's something you learned with in every band you've been involved with? What's something you learned? Um, what I learned is trying to keep the crowd moving, um, and getting their body reaction because I'm all about movement, um. And trying to see if they get into it, I want to see their the, the neck going, and I want I want to see that. That's what gets me going. That's what I learned about every band. Plus, learning about the the frontman of each band, you know, of how much control and how much you need to pay attention to the frontman. So, <laughs> especially if you're working with a guy named Ice. So, <laughs> yeah, you know what. Ice T had one of the smoothest pickup lines I've ever heard. Mm. How he picked up Coco, actually, I thought one of the smoothest shits I've ever heard, actually, right? Right. There's something like it's like, well, you can't spell nice without ice. I'm like, God damn it! Right. That was the smoothest shit I ever fucking heard, actually. Uh, and I'm like, and that's from my gather. That's how they started talking, you know? Right. Yeah. I I don't I don't even know, but I mean, I love them both. Um. They seem cool. Just, they seem like pretty yeah, cool people, you know. I remember. I remember he was on Duckman. Was that? I remember he was, he did a guest voice on Duckman for a couple episodes. Oh yeah. yeah. And he was actually flat. I remembered. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yep. Shoot. All right. So what's your gear setup? Just curious, though. All right. Um, you want to go with drums or cymbals first? All of it. All of it. Okay. So drums, Mapex drums, uh, Saturn series. Uh, so you go with your 8, 10, 12, uh, 14, 16, uh, two 22-inch kick drums. Um, I use a snare drum company called uh, uh, DTS. Um, and that is pretty much is uh, it's a, a brass 
uh, snare drum, almost kind of like a, a black booty, but it's actually specially made for me. It has like looks like it has bullet holes going through it. The snare drum. Um, yeah, so I I love the way it sounds because it's it's actually dries it out uh, with the snare drum, so I don't have to put too much like dampening too much on the, on that snare drum. Um, so symbol wise, um, I have a um, uh, call it arrow crash um, on my left um, going over there. Then I have a 14 inch. Um, it, Oh, all my symbols are all Sabian. Uh, endorsed with Sabian. Um, so AX Aero Crash 18 inch, uh, 14 inch uh, Evolution Mini China. Um, and then I go into uh, my 18 inch uh, Explosion Crash. Uh, then I have two uh, um, Air Splashes, which is the 8 and 10. Um, then after that, I have my 19. Um, explosion crash, um, and then I have my 22 inch AA, um, 21 inch uh, AA um, rock ride. Um, it's actually the, from what I, I heard that it it was uh, Ray Lazier's uh, ride that he used to use when he used to be with uh, David Lee Roth uh, back in the day because uh, we played a bunch of shows together. Um, talking about us and corn, um, and then I'm using for my other china is a 19-inch um, extreme china that I'm using with them, and I'm using a 20-inch uh, AA medium uh, crash that did just came out, and I love the way their medium uh, crashes are sounding now. It's just awesome. Um, and then around the whole uh, drum set, I'm using all Gibraltar um, double bass rack. Um, heads, I'm using Aquarian. Uh, so response to super clear, it's on the bottom. Uh, snare drum, I'm using a triple threat um, for my snare drum. Uh, kick drums are uh, super kick twos uh, for both of them, of course, on the front of, of those are, is going to be regulators on the front of those heads. Um, but uh, it sticks. Um, I'm using Vader, uh, endorsed with Vader. Um, so I was, at first, when I first got into body count, I was using uh, called a 3A fatback. Um, I noticed that, you know, since this kit is a little bit larger, um, then I started getting into uh, a one A uh, wood tip um, with fader. Hmm. Sounds like a sweet ass kit. I gotta tell you that. So you're it's not fun. doing double bass pedals. You're actually doing like the two double bass drums. You're saying? I I was, but since if we have to travel, I don't know if if they do have a um, a double bass setup for me. Or not, so I carry a double pedal with me. Um, I, I do a Ray Lazier, and I'll just it, do a, a dummy left, you know, if I have to. Uh, but most of the time, I would like to have two separate bass drum pedals. But like trying to go on the road and that you're not having your stuff. Uh, we're not like the Offspring, and we get to travel with our gear, mm. um, so we have to rent out the gear for shows or whatever. And 
that's the reason why I choose the the double pedal. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't know. I don't know what, what I'm gonna have. So smart move. I never forget. I never forget it's like having a drummer that can play double pedal do double bass drums over double pedal is a fucking blessing, I gotta tell you that. Uh, you know, because yeah. it's a skill in itself, and even though I do dig drummers that know how to do like a floor time thing, making like a fake double pedal shit, it's yeah. something about that where it just adds like a different dynamic to the drums, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm like, cause it feels kind of weird trying to play like, you know, breakdowns or whatever with like a single pedal. It just feels really off. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, you're definitely right on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to wrap this up right now. So where can we find you online? Uh, you can look me up on Instagram. Uh, it's will3w. Um, that will pull pull it up uh, right from there. Or you can look on Facebook, either it'll will uh, slash Will Dorsey Jr. Or hit me up on regular Facebook, uh, just Will Dorsey Jr. Um, and you can find me that way. And, oh, and body count. Um, dot com. Uh, that would be the whole band, uh, not just me. So <laughs> cool. Just added you, yeah. right? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, well, well. Great chatting with you. Love to talk to you. Like you yeah. know, in the future, actually. Yeah. You know, thanks again for the interv- for grabbing the interview. Oh, you're welcome so much, John. Thanks for even talking with me, man. You know, we got a lot more to talk about, though. Yes, so. we do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Great chatting, man. Peace. Cool, man. Yeah, definitely right. great chatting with you, John. You too. All right, man. All right. All right. Bye. Hey, that was Ill Will. Check out Bloodlust and Carnivore by Body Count. He's playing drums on there, and he's kicking ass on there too. Until next time, take it easy, and please use common sense.